You're about to hear a scene from one of my favourite TV series that's trending right now, Shit's Creek. It's about a mock job interview, and this is where we'll start today's Novice Practitioner podcast. Come in. Ah, oh, David Rose. You're applying for the bag boy position. Yeah. Tell me, David, why do you want this job? I don't want this job. Well, thank you very much, and don't expect a phone call. Okay. All right. Do it right, or let's not do it. I'm going to start again. Okay. Tell me, David, why do you want this job? I ran out of eye cream. Okay, you're not going to get this job. You're not going to get this job. You know why? Your attitude sucks. Okay. And look at how you're dressed. What, what, what is this? Colostomy bag pants. I remember my first day of work as a new grad vividly. I put on my marzipan New South Wales Health blouse, eager to put on the ID badge that said my name with my position title as radiographer, and sent a selfie to my parents. I was jittery with excitement and nerves. For the first few weeks, I was just trying to keep my head above water. However, over the course of time, I realised this was a normal feeling. As a new graduate, I could barely articulate my own words well enough for patients, let alone if a student was to tag along with me and ask me questions that I was simply trying to find the answer to myself. People are quick to forget what it's like to be a new graduate. Trying to juggle final year of uni with preparation for a CV and selection criteria as well as bidding farewell and preparing to part with their medical radiation science family as they dive into a full-time role as an MRS practitioner. Today, we talk to novice professional button pusher Casey about her final year of university, accreditation, licensing, compiling a CV and interviews whilst enjoying the social aspects uni has to offer. Welcome back as we talk to a novice professional button pusher. Alrighty, so welcome, Case. Thank you Hello. for sharing your time with us today um, in MRS120. We've just got a few questions for you. Um, I'll just We'll get started and I'll just get you to introduce yourself a little bit. So just tell us about your final year of university, Casey, and, and where did you even begin to start when you had graduation looming? Well, hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Casey. So I studied at Curtin University in Perth, WA. So my final year of uni was entirely prac and I also did honours at the same time. So it was a very stressful, very busy year. Um, so I did my first three-month lock of prac at Royal Perth Hospital. Um, so that is the major trauma centre in WA. So all the car accidents, anything sort of, basically we get all the patients that none of the other hospitals want. Um, so it was really, really challenging. Um, I got to spend time in ED, in theatre, in outpatients, in screening. Um, absolutely loved it there. It's actually where I now work. Um, so this really is your team. first prac in final year? Yeah, so very first prac. So there was, I think, six students there at once. So um, yeah, absolutely and, loved it there. And, and how many clinical weeks do you do in final year? So we do two 12-week blocks, I think yep. it was. Yeah. So we did half in public and half in private. So you get a best of both worlds, really. A good mix. Yeah. So it's good. So yeah, first one was at Royal Perth. And then the second block, we had about 
six weeks off in the middle of the year where I went overseas and enjoyed myself, had a break and then came back into private land. So I did within that itself, I did six weeks at a private hospital and six weeks at a outpatient clinic, which is really good to sort of solidify my skills because I knew I had them and do sort of your, you know, category one walk-in patients and yeah. still got to do theatre when I was at the hospital part of it and screenings for like pick line insertions and barium swallows and things like that. So, yeah. Did you see a different, miss, a different mix from public to private? So it is nice to, I guess, solidify but and fine-tune yeah. those. Like, yeah. like you say, cat ones, yeah. it's not always that you get a perfect yeah. lateral knee or a perfect lateral wrist first go. Yeah. So, so it's the, nice to... Yeah. The private hospital was lots of orthopedic. So we did lots of horizontal beam knees and hips and everything. And by that stage, everyone that worked there were basically worked a few days with me and they're just like, yeah, yeah, go off, do stuff by yourself. We'll check it all at the end. And yeah, so it was good confidence. Which is nice because then it also gets you to challenge your thinking um, and your critical, I suppose, analysis skills when you look at an examination series to then go, "Mm, do I need any sort of supplementary imaging or am I happy to close the exam, which is what we then start to think like in the first when you graduate. Yeah. Um, So you did your two placements, private, public. Yep. And then you had graduation looming. So how did you sort of look to build maybe a professional CV and and when did you need to have it ready for? So I would have started putting that together, I think, at the end of my first placement because obviously being such a long placement at that hospital, asking people, do you mind being my resume because I'll need it later in the year. Then I think I did my resume. Our first resumes were due in about August, I think. So a couple of the private companies did graduation nights where they invited us around and sort of explained the whole process to us and why you should work for them and whatnot. So they were all really, really helpful um, as far as knowing what to put and the process of it all because you sort of go in not having applied for adult jobs before. So You've never compiled anything professional before. Where do I even start? Well, not professional in the sense of medical radiation science, like, you know, because the first thing we got told when we spoke to someone about it was like, you know, there's no point in putting that you've worked at McDonald's for three months in high school because it doesn't apply (laughs) to sort of the profession. So definitely being ahead of that helped. So I would have had that ready to go before all the interviews um, and whatnot. So, and yeah, it definitely saves stress because that all happened during my second prac was all the interviews and and that's the thing, isn't it? Everything happens at once. Happens and you're like, once, you've got this so... flurry where you're like, yeah. I don't even know how to put together a professional CV, let alone yeah. perhaps then selection criteria. So yeah. in the middle of your second prac or at the end of your second prac, you said. Um, so is that when jobs start, the first sort of jobs started to pop up that you did begin to apply actually, for? It was very early because I don't know if it's the same ovaries, but in WA, the private companies are very much, very quick and wanting to grab people as soon as they can. Yeah. So I think the second week of my prac. They, Which, what month is that? That would have been about late July, early August. Okay, that um, is early. Yeah, so they would have done the grad night and then from there maybe two weeks later was the deadline for your CV to be due. Then maybe two weeks after that I would have done my interview and then maybe three weeks after that was when sort of all the job offers and whatnot came out. out. So talk to me again about this grad night. Is it like they run you through how to build a CV, what is a selection criteria, what an interview may entail? No, so it was basically um, the private companies would pretty much put on a show and sort of 
basically it was them selling themselves to why oh, okay. this company. So um, as far as the advice I got when I was building my CV, I did that through lots of asking other people I was on prac with at the time. So yep. all the like previous years grads and whatnot. Um, and also I used the university databases. They use some yep. really good like health science specific sort of resumes that sort of go through really good, even just how to format it. Like, you know, I think I've got my name and my photo at the top of mine and sort of the address and just those formalities you don't really think of but they do make a really big difference so yeah I remember actually photo no photo being real controversial um (laughs) and I was like do you know what I'm actually going to put my photo on my CV this is when I graduated as well um I'm going to put my photo on my CV for those places that I've been to prac on so that I hope to re-jog like their minds and go oh yeah that is her in case they didn't remember me by name they just remembered me by picture and then I just actually took it off for everyone else's (laughs) I thought oh no you don't need to see what I look like who knows um yeah, just don't use your Facebook profile picture because the boss said apparently that had been done before. Oh no. <laughs> so, you want a yeah. nice professional like professional you've got a picture. Exactly. And moving towards professional capabilities like um yeah. MRPBA capabilities, it's, it's so important to yeah. remain professional and sell yourself as a healthcare professional. Um so talk to me a little bit more radiation license, accreditation. Um, yeah so how did you go about like did you know to apply for all that as well who yeah so um so I got my first job offer sort of before I could actually apply for all that so I got the job offers when I was still on my prac because they're very early in WA and locking people in um so with I had to apply for my APRA first so it's your registration to work as a medical imaging technologist in Australia yeah so but to be able to apply for that you have to have your uni results sort of everything has to be locked in to prove that yep you've passed the course and whatnot so it was a bit of a waiting game for that to happen and then you could only do it a certain number of weeks out because I remember I actually did mine at midnight when it ticked over because I was going out of town the next day and also was super, super paranoid about, you know, wanting to get it done as soon as I can because, you know, they've got every single health professional in Australia to get through and (laughs) approve. So I think it was about a six weeks and then I had to get that before my radiation license. So I think it took about six weeks for my APRA to get approved because I remember... I think it came through a few days before Christmas. It sort of, I got the official certificate saying, yep, Casey Sweeney is a, oh, I shouldn't say my name. <laughs> Casey is a medical imaging technologist. Um, and then from that, I had to apply for my radiation license. So that's the state one. So mine's with the WA Council of yeah. Radiological something or other. Protection authority, um, basically. Yeah. So yeah. they were an absolute horror to deal with. I hope yours is better. <laughs> just they can just I, be a nightmare, can't they? Like well, they actually, they so actually, many people to pump through. Yeah. They actually approved mine but didn't tell me they approved it. And it was um yeah, a very nightmare. long process to actually get them to say, Oh yeah, you're good to work. So so this was all just before you had a holiday and then you, with APRA, and then you got that through that you then applied for your licence, so a yep. step-by-step methodical sort of approach. And yep. then when did you start work? Uh, 6th of January. So it was all sort of good to go by then. So I did have to ring sort of the radiation counts and say, I'm starting work on the 6th of January. I have to have this. So that helped. But, yeah, that's you can't start without it. So well, I yep. think my bosses said we could start in non-clinical roles if it hadn't come through by then. So just, yeah, you know, I think as I assistant. started as, because I started in the, in the December yeah. and I didn't, mine hadn't come through. My 
ARPA had come through because like all the universities send their cohort of who's passed in final yep. year that's then eligible um, to become a healthcare practitioner um, through ARPA's eyes anyway. And then I think I started, yeah, early December that then meant I didn't have my EPA yet. So I think I worked under the chiefs in yep. that sort of you're still on supervision when I graduated yeah. back in the day. So yep. <laughs> um, you still have to be supervised by qualified radiographer anyway. But, yeah. So, and then, so with your interviews, how, how did you prepare for interviews or, like, do you, do you apply for selection criteria? How did you know how to go um, about so all that? Both. So with the private companies, I did um, – so first step would be definitely talking to people that you're on prac with in your final year and asking them for tips and whatnot and what to do. Um, that really, really helps. Um, and having examples of things you're guaranteed to get asked about. So I had sort of in my head an example of where I'd had good communi- communication, like good teamwork – Um, good problem solving skills so sort of these concrete examples which I could use no matter where I was going to interview whether it was public or private I knew exactly sort of okay I can say that I've worked in theatre in a teamwork environment and you know had to problem solve and do this and that and that and I literally walked around my house pacing like talking out loud the examples of what I was going to say before my interviews just so I to stop you from getting flustered basically just knowing you're confident in your answers and that really helped um, so I did the private, yeah, it was a very different process, private and public. So for the private, it was, we also got told to suck up to the private companies because the first question they ask you is, what do you know about the company? Yeah. So I remember rattling off about, oh, it was founded in this year by these radiologists and la di da and they absolutely love it because <laughs> well, it shows you've done your research and actually worlds, isn't it? interested in working in the company. Um, and then with the public jobs, it's um, a lot more HR based. It's more you're a number in the system rather than knowing you as a person. So they have selection criteria that you have to address in your cover letter. Yeah. So I think I had six I had to write for and it's things like, you know, ones that, you know, do you have your license to work and practice in Australia? Um, the and you work ones. a 24-7 rotating roster. Yeah, things like that. Um, and they tend to, they do tend to go with like a format, don't they? Like yeah. workplace health and safety, conflict resolution. Yeah. And it's, I think the best thing to do, like you said, is when you walked around and said examples, I do the exact same thing. I yep. pick an example that is quite versatile and I can integrate into, this is a great communication example, but it's also a great um, de-escalation of a situation yep. or yep. like you find those versatile examples that you can integrate into any sort of question that you're asked. In saying that, I'm not the world's best interviewer. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had some absolute horrors. I absolutely, um, when I had to reapply for my position when I'd been working for three months, I absolutely botched the interview just because I was so nervous because I knew the panel already and it just, you forget things and, oh, it was a mess. I made a joke <laughs> about the toilet in one of my <laughs> interviews and I was like, oh, I turned around, rolled my eyes at myself and was like, this is, you've bombed this. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so step one, job search. Step two, you'll have your CV already sort of ready to go to meet those job application deadlines. Yeah. Then, so pretty much I found the CV stayed the same depending on where you're applying and it was the cover letter that had the differences. So yeah. sort of um, for the government jobs, it was the, yeah, addressing the selection criteria, which you will not get a look in for an interview if you haven't addressed the selection criteria because 
they have to make sure it gets approved by HR. So you've got people who are, you know, non-medical imaging background who can look at your resume and say, no, they haven't addressed this point. They can't therefore work here. So they're looking for key important. sort of words, aren't they? Like yeah. manual handling, infection control, yeah. personal protective equipment. So they're looking yeah. for those keywords that they can check a box and go, yep, great. But yeah. I also think like step, taking a step back from that, it's also your, your punctuation, your grammar. They actually yeah. do ensure that you can put together a professional selection criteria when yeah. you're applying for a job. Um, and they are, I remember thinking, oh, they'll just be a paragraph, but they're actually quite an in-depth response. Yeah, but you do want to in- include your page, like yeah. examples in there as well. Yeah. So it is sort of an interview on paper is your yeah, selection criteria much. basically. It also helps when, particularly with the government or private as well, um, is when it comes to the interview, they can't ask you anything that's not based upon the selection criteria. So you know if you've done that well, you know you're not going to be stumped in the interview because they're not going to ask anything that sort of strays too far from what you should have already written. Yeah. So I think was- the nice thing about the selection criteria is it takes away the pressure situation. Like yeah. the interview is a pressure cooker. Everybody is – it's like seeing how somebody survives under a pressure, pressure situation, which I'm good at as a clinical radiographer but not so good at when I'm an interviewee. <laughs> Anyway, I've managed to jag clinical work, so it's fine. Yep. <laughs> um, so then, so like we said, step one, job application, step two, CV, three, selection criteria if you're going public, perhaps not a selection criteria if you're going private, and then it's the actual interview process, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah perfect. So then talk to me about your first day of work on the 6th of January this year. Yes, I was shaking Um. I remember doing my first x-ray and just walking away thinking, I don't need someone to check this. This doesn't feel right. (laughs) It's so funny. Hey, I remember my first day as well. And I remember going, oh, Toby, do you you want to have a look? He's like, you're a radiographer now, Tans. You're fine. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) I think I did my first rotation in theatre as well. So, um, yeah, I was on as a theatre radiographer and had someone to sort of shadow for two days. And then sort of the third day, the boss said, all right, Casey, you're going up by yourself. I'm like okay, I can do this. I was sweating then, bullets. I had to change yeah. scrubs. My first <laughs> theatre case on my own, it yeah. was an orif of a finger, so open yeah. reduction internal oh, yeah. fixation, an ankle. finger, and I was sweating bullets. I didn't know where to plug the unit into. I didn't know where to yeah. come from. I was had to change my scrubs. Yep. No, it was um, – we have a really good team environment as well, working at a public hospital, so the lady like that rang the theatre to say the radiographer's on her way up. She's like, you've got to be nice to her. It's one of our grads. It's her very first day. And the nurses up there were absolutely lovely. And like, I still work with them today and it still sticks in my mind how nice they were to me when I first started. And, yeah, it's really – it's great. I think that that's sort of something really important that you've touched on actually is when people come into the profession, they don't realise how much you do work as a part of a multidisciplinary team and how we fit as a service into all these different areas. So it can be in the intensive care unit, it can be in the neonatal intensive care unit, it can be in the operating theatre, it can be in the angiography suite, it can be like in the emergency emergency department and you're working as this member of a team. So having those interpersonal skills and being able to talk and communicate um, and to get your job done I guess to bring our piece of the puzzle all together yeah um, is actually really important I didn't realize going into well, it that when, it is such a multidisciplinary approach yeah well even when I talk to friends that are outside of healthcare and they just say oh you know how's work been or whatnot and they don't realize you know in ED scenarios when there's a car serious car accident and they're getting rolled onto the x-ray table and the doctors are coming in and you know getting the lines in and whatnot we're actually there ready to take the chest x-ray straight away so yeah 
I am. My parents have no idea. Yeah. My parents literally have no idea what I do. I had a patient the other day fall 2.5 meters from a balcony, land on a broken chair. So he was impaled on the chair. So he went through my CT scanner on his side, but you have yeah. 20 surgeons, doctors, nurses, um, yep. staff all behind you from all different professions. You have orthopedics saying one thing, you have neuro saying something else, like yep. you have gastro and surgical all saying something different that they want all these different scans. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. Somebody needs to take control of this trauma situation. Yeah. Um, but you actually do work as an efficient member of, of a team. Yeah. Um, and to everybody else, it would look like absolute chaos, but it is yeah. actually quite organized chaos, I suppose. Yeah. Like everyone's there to bring their piece of the puzzle together. Yeah. Um, and I do think, yeah, it's so good to have support. I and mean, even when you're walking around work to be able to like, yeah. hey, how are you going? Like you actually develop rapport with external yeah. members of not just yeah. in medical imaging. Yeah. I Which remember nice. when I yeah first started doing yeah in when I did my ED rotation when I first started, um, I had sort of a, I was lucky because I think on maybe my second or third day there we had a lot of serious trauma like we had three helicopter patients come in in one day so it was a really busy day and like great practice for me and a sort of I didn't get it was a bit like I don't know if adrenaline's the right term but it's like okay all our tables full I have to do this by myself. And I had the realisation I can be there, you know, still really nervous and scared. But as soon as you say X-ray and yell it, everyone moves away and trusts that you're the one in charge. And it's that real almost fake it till you make it. Like people sort of, yeah, the fact that you can yell X-ray and people, you know, respect that and, you know, get clear and run away if they're not wearing lead and, you know, make sure they're not touching the chest and whatnot. It was a real sort of clicking moment for me where I'm like, okay, I can do this. It yeah. was if I'm even if I'm not confident, but if I sound like I'm confident, people will trust me. <laughs> I also think everybody thinks when you say the word radiation, it just invokes like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or yeah. like <laughs> Chernobyl or something. Like, yeah. and everyone then just runs for the hills because <laughs> loads of people aren't educated about radiation. Like that's yep. that's our job. We are medical radiation practitioners, so we're aware of radiation. We're taught physics yep. around radiation, but um, nobody, I suppose, necessarily understands time, distance, and shielding. Yep. Um, so it's it is funny just to watch everyone scatter especially in healthcare because yeah. then sometimes you have um like patients under police guard that have police escort and so the police stand there and you're like and everyone else scatters and you're like it's so funny the word radiation in a healthcare setting and the police yeah. is still standing like just this way please like, yeah. two steps you're fine two meters yeah you're good <laughs> um what about when you had students of your own for the first time how did you feel then oh I felt very grown up <laughs> um I think the first lot of students Actually, I was probably, I don't know if blessed is the right term, but being the year it was as a healthcare professional, we didn't have many students come through as usual because they cancelled all the placements because they weren't allowing students in the hospital. So I remember having, I think our first lot of students were fourth years and they had sort of said to the fourth years because we were at the time, because there was so many of us still doing rotations, they sort of said, you know, stay away from the grads. They're still finding their feet and whatnot. But which yeah, is definitely. nice because you don't need Which the added nice, stress yeah. when you're still learning a department protocols, how to, yeah. how to manage. Yeah. Um, but then now as I've gone on sort of, yeah, only two weeks ago we've had first-year students come in and, you know, I've honestly, if they're willing to listen, I will rattle on all day about the lamest things like, you know, just when they ask questions and I actually really enjoy the teaching aspect of it if they're, yeah, showing interest and willing to learn and whatnot. It's a bit more unmotivating when someone's not that willing to learn I have to say but 
yeah, it definitely yeah. makes me feel like a professional radiographer. And I think it's probably yeah. nice to go, wow, was that me in my first year? Yeah, and that's sort of And whatever. that's how far you come as well. Like you reflect yeah. on it and you're like, I've actually come so far and I've yeah. learned so much. When, when they ask lots of, you know, lots and lots of questions and, you know, some people, other people I work with have not as much tolerance when it comes to students. Um, but then I just think that I'm like, this is what I was like, you know, Everyone's I have to answer these there. questions. It's how you learn. Like, so... And I think it's yeah, really important to be eager and actually willing yes. to learn as well yeah. from a student's perspective. So yeah. it is nice um, for them to show eagerness and keenness, yes, I suppose, definitely. without being too annoying. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what about now? How have you enjoyed your first year out? You've enjoyed it? You're going to stay on the medical radiation science pathway yeah. or? Yeah, absolutely love it. So um, I've got such a great team that I work with um and being such a wide so at the moment I'm only doing sort of just general x-ray but within that field alone you know one day I'll be in ED and x-ray someone who's like got a broken wrist or whatnot then the next day I might be in theatre and hit that same patient is in theatre getting their wrists you know fixed up with an RF and then the day after that I might do their post-op x-rays and then three months down the track they walk into our outpatient clinic and you get to see lots of really cool stories and like medical progressions and you just learn so much about everything. So whether it's technique in the radiation field, but just medical in general, you learn lots and yeah. you never know what's going to walk in the door. And that's what I love about it so much. And it is get, yeah, nice and challenging. It's a rewarding career, I find. Yeah. It's rewarding without necessarily having the responsibility of a doctor, um, yeah. but it is so nice to be able to help people I know that sounds so cliched but it is actually really nice like I even remember I had a patient who he was a like a high-speed motor vehicle accident and he came in and he had broken femur broken tip fear broken arms he was like had flail chest so he's like had multiple broken ribs um severe brain injury and he was in intensive care unit he would have been in there for like six or so weeks I did a presentation on him at a um at a conference actually and then the day before I was due to deliver at the conference he walks into the outpatient clinic and this is like a year on and I like I was like oh my god it's so good to see you because I was like this was all this information when I was researching his like case to present it was also fresh in my mind and he was just looked at me I was like oh god I now look like a stalker but I'm yeah. really happy for you <laughs> so it's, it is yeah, nice you get like warm is. fuzzy feelings you do not with every like you can be so busy that like you don't get that with every patient but there definitely are some patients that that sort of reverberate a bit more, I suppose, than others. Um, Okay. Any last minute tips for the first year Um, undergraduate university student? Just when it comes to your placements, treat every placement like a job interview because you never know, you know, you might be there in second year, but you'll be applying for that company when you finish in fourth year and they'll still have all you on the records. Um, And just get involved with it. Like don't be scared or whatnot you're there to learn don't be afraid to ask questions and you do 90% of your learning when you're on placement that's it's the real stuff because yeah that would be and challenge yourself I remember one of my very early placements I had really good supervisors who sort of really really pushed me to be the best that I can and were really critical of my work but that really carried me all the way through my degree I'm like okay this is the level that I have to be at as a student and I ended up getting my number one preference job when I finished in fourth year so yeah that would be my biggest advice when it comes to the placements and then yeah also 90% for the night before (laughs) 
And I just want to go back to you saying 90% of uh, what you learn is on clinical, but I would like my students not to necessarily listen to that and really take part in my subject. You need to know your theoretical stuff before you can then do it. Boom, perfect. Thank you, Casey. Yes. Makes a huge difference when you know the textbook stuff and then go to placement. And and come to class. Come to class. But also enjoy the social aspects of university. Yes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, all righty, Case, thanks so much. No worries. Um, I'm sure everyone in MRS120 will get some great tips out of this when they move forward in fourth year. Yeah. It may seem like a daunting four-year slog ahead of them <laughs> right now, but I'm sure it'll come in <laughs> useful in and compiling your CV and selection criteria and preparing yeah. for an interview. So thank you very yeah. much. No worries. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>